magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jeremy. What's going on, my friend? Not much, Pat. Not <laughs> much at all. How you feeling? I'm, I'm I'm feeling a little under the weather, but I'm I'm hanging in there. Yeah. This is our our third attempt to record this week because <laughs> <laughs> trials and tribulations have prevented us. Yes, aka uh, me falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was Monday. I fell asleep. Putting my child to bed, I fell asleep. Yeah, I and mean, then, you're, all, uh, you're all tuckered out. I understand. Yeah, yeah a little tired. And yeah. then Tuesday, Tuesday, Jerry was just fucking eating oysters, hanging out with chicks. And... <laughs> uh, I didn't think that. Yep, man, I'll just, we'll move on. Move hey, on. there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, you were having, you were living, living the good life, man. That's okay. Uh, just roof decks and oysters, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and today is our third attempt, and I think we have a great episode, so uh, really excited to get into it. Wow, way to put the cart before the horse. Well, you know. <laughs> we'll let the listeners be the judge of that. Pat. I suppose, I suppose. Um, you know, as always, uh, we are brought to you every Friday by hipstersthecoast.com. You can check it out for awesome legacy content and more. I actually got a chance to meet uh, Rich Stein and uh, David McCoy, uh, both uh, two of the guys who helped run the Hipsters website. Really, really awesome people. So if you're interested in the website, check it out. They have a lot of great content there. Um, also, if you want to support the show, you can visit patreon.com slash legacy. Uh, even a dollar episode helps us so much. We have some awesome rewards. Uh, I have stickers coming in tomorrow. Jerry has playmats coming in uh, very shortly. Uh, we're doing shoutouts in the cast, so you get to choose topics, and there's a bunch more. Uh, and we're always doing some. We're always looking for more rewards to give to our patrons. So, if you uh, if you want to check it out, the link is in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, or if you have ideas for rewards, because we're not very creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you know what? If you have, if listeners have ideas they want to see us do, uh, like I said, put it, put it in the, uh, I don't know, put it in the chat. Throw it, throw it to us either on Patreon or on Facebook, Twitter. You can find us somewhere. Let us know what you think. Um, all right, so the first thing I wanted to go over was just my Vegas recap. Um, I'm going to be writing an article, kind of on my experience in Vegas because it was uh, pretty unique, I think, as a GP experience. Uh, but I did sort of want to go hit, like, the, the main points here. And then if you really want to go deep uh, on my matches, uh, you can check out the article. I don't want to bore anyone too much. Um, but I can't, believe, I can't believe you went to Vegas for a GP and you didn't tell me, Pat. Like, how, did, <laughs> how did no one tell me that this was happening? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess we, we probably should have told you, Jerry. I, I can't believe we didn't clue you in, man. I'm yeah, sure you would have gone, would've right? You can work off, no problem. <laughs> um, all right, so... Um, first of all, like, <laughs> Nevada must be, like, basically the location of Satan's butthole, because it was so hot. <laughs> it was so hot. I mean, the, the con hall was fine. Thankfully, like, basically all of whatever is inside a, a building in Vegas is, is air-conditioned, which is, which is nice. But I'll tell you, when I was leaving Vegas on Saturday, it was, like, uh, 4 in the afternoon, and it was 116 degrees oh. in the shade. It was brutal. I um, actually heard a bunch of the late leavers from the GP got stranded because it was so hot they couldn't it you couldn't safely fly airplanes that's correct yeah like there were uh, a bunch of planes were grounded in phoenix it was nuts it was hitting 120 degrees out there i mean my my 
plane ride home from Phoenix was fucking miserable. I took the red eye home from like I think we left at like eight forty five and we got back into Boston at six. And I slept probably man, maybe like thirty to forty five minutes of that plane ride. It was it was kind of rough because it was the AC was not working in the, in the in like the plane. So like so one 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 passed out and I'm just sitting there like in the ILC, but it was like a little uncomfortable to begin with. But it was just hot and it was not not a good not a good scene. So. But it was it was worth it. Um, so despite the heat, uh, the con hall was great. Uh, it was a ton of stuff going on. I can confirm that Aaron like blew out his ankle with all the walking we did. I think we probably averaged between like six and seven miles a day walking, just because of the distance from where our room was at the Hilton to where the GP was, and then just the size of the GP was massive. So like you could walk a couple miles just inside the GP hall every day. It was pretty crazy. Um, uh, got to play a lot of Magic. I played a bunch of Legacy. I even played some uh, some Limited. I played an Eight Man, um, and uh, I hit a couple of my goals, which was awesome. And I got some. I was also able to set some new goals uh, for future events that I had to attend. Um, I was able to make my first day two. I know we posted about it on the Facebook page. I'm sure that's not news to anybody. Um, it was my second ever GP, so making my first day two was actually really exciting. Um, I had to do it the hard way. I didn't have any buys. I basically was not able to get to any of the uh, like the trials that were out here. And unfortunately, they're not doing GPTs anymore anyway. So um, the next GP, I just don't have to grind those Planeswalker points. I don't know how else to get buys for a GP. But um, so I had to go six and three on my first day, which I did. Um, I had an awesome time. It was really enjoyable. A little stressful at the end because I think I was five and three going into the final round. I was I was. Four and two going into the last two rounds, so I had to hit. Or sorry, five and two going into the last two rounds, so I went lost win, and my my last win got me into day two. So that was a little bit stressful, um, but it was still really fun. I had like pretty much all awesome opponents, and day one I played a different deck every single round, which was pretty sweet. Um, so let's see, the the art show uh, was really really cool. They had over like uh, two hundred pieces. I got to talk to uh, what is it, Vorthos Mike was there. Um, and he was really passionate about the art. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of cool stuff there. I really like. I think the sketches were actually some of my favorites. Um, but they had painting like original paintings there. They had some actual like a sculpture um, from one of the from one of the artists, and it was just super neat. Um, the cosplay was was cool. It's not like my thing per, per se, but like the skill and craftsmanship of it was really really uh, really incredible. Um, that's, that's really what I was hearing like from reports coming out of the event. Uh, was just that this GP more than any other GP felt like a magic con. Yes. Um, you know, there's a, there's been cosplayers before, but usually there's only like one, two, three if you're lucky. Yeah. I was seeing pictures of like ten and twelve cosplayers. Yeah, there was a like ton of cosplayers. Players. And the coolest thing was that because it was like multi day event, like cosplayers brought like a bunch of different costumes. So like, I, I, Christine Sprankle <laughs> there did were like hundreds of cosplayers there. <laughs> well, like it was just cool because like one day you'd see Christine Sprankle as like. Oh, she came as like I actually I actually don't know. She came as Nico Bolas one day, and then one day she was like Una, Queen of the Fae. She had a bunch of different costumes. She had one day of Liliana, so that was really cool because even though you might only have like say eight or ten cosplayers, if they have on average like two to three outfits, there was a lot of different costumes that were going on. Yeah, I got a I, chance to meet um, Elliot and MJ Scott from from Twitter. Um, doing they were doing like a Vencer and Lily cosplay that was pretty dope. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, yeah, I was seeing there, you know, there were a bunch of Lilianas. I saw Shahili, mm-hmm. uh, saw some uh, Sarkin, not Sarkin. Uh, what's his name? It was a Tibalt. 
Yeah, the Tibalt. I thought the Tibalt was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, Christine Sprankle, the first day I was there, had like the sickest Nicol Bolas cosplay. It was pretty fucking intense. Uh, I saw that. There was actually, I think, two Nicol Bolas. Uh, oh, was there? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Both of them were really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they the, all the all the cosplay costumes looked really impressive. Yeah, it was cool. It's like like I said, it's not really my my thing. Like it's cool and all, but like I don't go to a GP for cosplay. However, I definitely don't discount that some that like really makes the experience for a lot of people. So I think it's great that there's cosplayers there. I mean, I'm certainly there for the the trading ex- aspect, going to vendors and playing. Um, but like the other kind of end of the experience, the con experience is really really pushes people into it. So I'm all about it because honestly, the bigger we can make these GPs, the more successful they can make the GPs, the better it is for the magic community. So I'm all about that. Yeah. Uh I also heard the art show was amazing. Oh, dude, it was it was great. Like I said, there was over 200 pieces there. Like some of the I so I what uh, what's the best way to put it? The scale of some of these paintings is so just not apparent when you look at the art on a magic card because the art on the magic card is like what like two and a half by like two inches or whatever mm-hmm. it's really really small and when you look at some of these paintings man the fucking the the attention to detail is so amazing like honestly some of the sketches i like those better than the actual paintings because they were it was like you know almost laughable that this is like a quote-unquote sketch from someone and it's just like amazing artwork you know this is just a rough sketch and it's like crazy crazy skill <laughs> this is so. better than i'll ever achieve yeah, yeah like <laughs> this is like the better than the pinnacle of anything i'll do with my life and this is your sketch so that was pretty pretty awesome um and just like they had so much more artwork there than i expected like i said over 200 pieces it was a whole room you had to kind of like weave your way in and out of this labyrinth of artwork it was all split up into different planes uh it was really really cool so they did an awesome job i don't know if every gp will have enough attendance to make an art show you know like worthwhile because i can imagine that transporting that stuff in there fedexing all the all the individual artwork, artwork in there was incredibly expensive and the logistics must have been a nightmare but yeah, i think i think they they raised i think it was like 10k maybe yeah. even more like I, like maybe 30k i might be exaggerating there but i think it was at least 10k that they raised in a kickstarter yes and it, will, it definitely went to use Yes, and they certainly hit and they hit their stretch goal, which allowed them to hire some cosplayers. So, kind of harkening back to that, it's definitely expanded the experience for a lot of people there. Um, but it was awesome. Um, I hope I hope that they do it more. I'd love to see like a oh, GP. Yes, it was. I'd love to see a GP where they do like all the alpha art. How sick would that be? Yeah, I want them to do an art show mostly, so I can go there and have. Uh, a martini in one hand and then some caviar in the other and just make bougie comments and just <laughs> walk around that. That would make my day too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was it was pretty great. Uh, like I said, I got to meet Elliot and MJ Scott. They were really, really nice people. Um, I interacted with them a little bit on Twitter and just like their their costumes were insane. Like it, it was really cool to talk to them and ask them how they make them. Um, it was super fun. So, so were they like cosplaying as part of the art show? Because I think they were... They were like inside the art show, right? Yeah, some of them were. Well, they were inside the art show, but they'd also wander the wander the halls. I think they were like art show adjacent, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like a lot of the cosplayers had a really strong connection to the art show, either because they were hired by them, or like it made a lot of sense for them to be near the art show to bring people over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the way it was set up was like the main hall was sort of like you walk into the convention center, come down a flight of stairs, and the main hall's like kind of up there on your right-hand side. And then to get to the art show and some of the side event rooms for for the, for the Wednesday, the side events were all in these, the main room on Thursday, but for Wednesday they were in these side rooms um, down past the hall and to the left, down another hallway. 
Um, so it was, if you didn't know where you were going, it was a little bit confusing to get to, but, I mean, over the course of three, three or four days, you have plenty of time to wander around, so I think everyone was able to find it. Um, but yeah, that was really sweet. Um, so I'm going to write an in-depth article for hipsters this week. Um, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to go too, too much in my tournament. Um, I'll touch on the highlights, um, uh, you know, real quickly here. So there was, uh, 2,656 people for the Legacy GP, which is awesome. I think that's a great, that's a great turnout. <laughs> yeah, great turnout for the Legacy GP. I don't know the actual numbers for all the other events. Um, if you have a second, Jerry, to look them up while I ramble on here, but... Yeah, um, I'll take a look here. Okay. So, uh, decks that I beat, uh, I beat Charlotte's Bug, I beat Four Color Deathblade, Bant Slivers, which was really sweet. Um, it, it was, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yes, it was It was great. And I told, I was talking to my opponent, he was super nice. I think it was like round three or four. And I beat him in three games, but he was he was a great guy. And uh, we had a lot to talk about with the deck. Um, I beat Omnishow, Four Color Loam, and I beat Belcher. That was my winning in in uh, round nine. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. Uh, real quick you story about crushed the people's cannon. <laughs> so well, here's the, here's what happened. I think the people's cannon actually kind of crushed itself because game one he mulls a five. I'm on the play, and so I'm looking at my hand and it's like some counter magic, like a Delver, a number of vol- you know, like a volcanic island, a number of burn spells, and he's he mulls a five and he just doesn't play a card. He scoops to me when he's at like 12 life, and I have like a flip delver, a swift spear, and like a couple burn spells in my hand. You know, a few cards in hand. Like I wasn't like on nothing. So he just scoops to me. Doesn't play a single card. Doesn't discard. Um, so he he must have drawn up to like eight cards, and then instead of discarding, he just like all right, let's go to game two. So I just assumed I'm like all right, maybe he's on storm, maybe something like that. So I bring in like a, a pair of fluster storms. I side out like my price of progress because. He has no. He didn't play any lands, and you don't really want price progress against Storm anyway. So game two, game two. When I was looking at my notes later in the day, I'm like, oh, he must have gone off on turn one because I never actually wrote down a life total for game two. He just, I think he just killed me turn one. Um, <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then game three, uh, I'm on the play again, and I keep uh, just a great hand. It's like double days, which is great against Belcher. Um, uh, like a Delver and a Burn spells, like enough to like get there, and he mulls a five again, and he doesn't play a doesn't play anything until his last turn. He goes to Exile Simian Spirit Guide, plays uh, what is it, Seething Song? I can't remember the like their their song is the uh, add five red. Yeah, is it a single red in the, with, but with threshold they get like five red or whatever. Yeah, I, you're combining like Cabal Therapy and some Bastard Red Ritual. What, what, you, there's Rite of Flame, which is one red, add two red to your mana pool. It must have been Rite of Flame. It must have been Rite of Flame because he wanted to try to go off there. So, like, he played... Whatever the single red one was, because I remember he exiled to me in Spirit Guide. Must have been tried to play Rite of Flame. So yeah, I, I Rite of Flame is one red. So I daze it. He exiles another Simian Spirit Guide to pay for days. I daze the original spell again, <laughs> and then he just scoops and concedes to me. He was at, I mean, he was at two life anyway, um, yeah. and, and I was That's at 19. Risky. What's that? That I well, he had nothing on the board. He didn't play like I assumed. If he was going to play around days, he would have played like a like a lotus petal or played something on the board to uh, try to get around like the days. Um, he just he again he mulled to five and just was just drawing a card, pass, draw a card, pass. He ended up mm-hmm. having to discard a few times. He just had nothing going on there. So yeah. um, well, it's with like Belcher and Storm, you generally don't want to counter their ritual effects because. 
then they can just go to their next turn, and if they draw another ritual, they're well, right back where they so, are. So he was at two, and this is, uh, his, okay. th- this is his last turn. That's what I'm okay, saying. That, like, oh, so this is his last turn. Okay, correct, so yeah. The, yeah this is the only sense. interaction I have with him throughout the game. He was gotcha. literally just drawing a card pass, draw a card pass, draw a card pass, discard, you know? Gotcha. So Makes sense. Yeah, that's why I was like, well... <laughs> I mean, I couldn't see a line where he has basically, like... Exiled Simeon Sphere Guide, played played this, uh, what is it, uh, Cabal Ritual, whatever it is, or Rite of Flame, exiles another Simeon Sphere Guide, so he's down a, he's down three cards in his hand already, and hasn't actually gotten a spell off. I couldn't imagine, like, a line of play where he's still able to kill me from 19 on that at that point. Um, so, that was my winning in. Um, and decks I lost to, I lost to Burn, which is like, been kind of driving me nuts, because I feel like that should be, like, a winnable matchup, but every time I play Burn, I lose to it. I don't think I've ever beat Burn um, on Blue Red Delver, so I'm going back to the drawing board in that matchup. I mean, um, that should pretty much be whoever wins the die roll, but you should be slightly favored just because you have counter magic for right. the big burn spells. Right. I mean, the the issue I have with that, and I was explaining to someone else at the GP, because they said the same thing, like, oh, aren't you just, like, a counter burn deck? And I'm like, yes, but, like, in my main board, like, there are at least six cards that I just don't ever want to cast. Four, 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 uh, Cataxium Pro, because I don't, I don't ever want to have to pay life for it, and then two Price of Progress. So those cards are kind of like dead cards in my hand. Um, and then my Force of Wills are, are sort of bad, because I'm still losing life there. Like, mm-hmm. my, my four Chain Lightning are not great, because a lot of times they can throw them back at me. So, like, if I draw Chain Lightning late in the late in the game, it's like basically like a two-for-one on me. Because like yeah. I'll, I'll burn them, and then he'll either burn me or kill a creature, so it kind of sucks. Um, so I lost to Burn, and then I lost to, I lost to Bug Delver, um, and which was close games, and I lost to Storm, who beat me in two. Uh, really good Storm, actually beat me in three. I'm sorry. Good Storm player. Um, I, I stole a game from him in game two when he stormed off and went to thirty and got me to two, and I was actually able to to come back from there and kill him. Um, did yeah, he, he miscount. He did miscount. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's like, I should have like, he's like, I should have. Uh, what did he say? Um, uh, he said he should have uh, Infernal Tutored like one more time. But he yeah, missed. He miscounted. Tutor for infernal tutor Ex- before grabbing the tendrils. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm like, well, that's why. And I said, told him I said, that's why I make the storm player actually like go, like actually go off. Like I don't wait till you know they have you know eight storm count. I'm like, no, you got to get to ten storm and then cast cast your tendrils. So show me the tendrils. Exactly. Show, show me, me it. the money. Show me it. Um, and then so the only other thing I want to talk about, um, and this is kind of inspired by uh, Paul Vitor Dominarosa. Came out with a video either today or yesterday about judge calls, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I did have a few judge calls um, throughout the tournament, and actually I call the judge every time. Um, and so the the best one, this is my favorite one because this just is just um, a judge call because I'm pretty proficient with blue red delver. I, I at least proficient in that I know exactly what my cards do. Um, so my four color deathblade opponent. So this is game one. He's at five and I'm at nine, and he has an active deathrite shaman. Which is way more brutal than I realized than I expected it to be, um, especially in day two, because the Deathrite Shaman stole my Grixis, uh, my Grixis wins away from me, and he's got like three duels up and a single fetch, and so it's his turn. He fetches a fourth duel because he wants to cast Leobold and leave up a single green, um, so he can gain two life from a Deathrite activation. Because he's at you know being at five, he's con- he's concerned about sort of his life total. Um, he's also got, like, a True Name Nemesis that's equipped with a Jit on board, and the Jit has no counters, because I think the last turn he had used it to ping my Delver to kill it, ping my Flip Delver to kill it, and then gain two life. He was gaining a, a, a pretty aggressively with the, uh, with the True Name, uh, with the Jit. 
Um, so he thinks he's saved. He passes the turn. So I draw, and I have this price of progress I've been sandbagging for like three or four turns in my hand. And so I cast it, and he goes. To, he taps the Deathrite Shaman to gain life, so he goes from, from, from five to seven. Um, and then he insists, he's like, all right, now I get to draw a card with, with Leovold. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't get to draw a card. It doesn't target. And he looks at me, and he's like, no. He's like, he's like no, I get to target with Leovold. He's like, I get to draw with Leovold. I said, no, this doesn't this doesn't target. And then he doesn't... Sorry, I missed which, which spell was he debating targeted? Price of Progress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so, because he's at, he's at seven now, and basically, Price of Progress is lethal, right? Because he's at seven, he has four duels out, and he, he, he already gained two life from Deathrite Shaman for the turn, so, um, anyway, I call a judge over, because obviously my, all my, my guys are, my cards are in, in uh, Japanese, so, I call a judge over, <laughs> and, <laughs> I call a judge, well, no, here's the thing, so I call a judge over, and, well, I explained to him how the card works, and then I said, but you know what? Just to be safe, I'm going to call a judge. So I call a judge, and the judge says, let me show you. He, the, he hears what, what happens, and he says, so you want to know the oracle text on Price of Progress. So he gives him the oracle text. And the opponent, my opponent goes, so I get to draw a card. And the judge is like, no, 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 no. I showed you the oracle text, so I, you wouldn't be embarrassed. You don't get to draw a card. It doesn't target a player. So I'm like, all right. So. Wait, was that the actual verbiage the judge used? Pretty much, yeah. Like not, Maybe not word for word, but he did use the word embarrassed. I'm like, oh. I mean, you know, I mean, how many times, like, again, but it's always better to, to call a judge. And so the reason why, why I wanted to bring this up is because I called a judge at least two more times throughout the tournament. Um, one was because my opponent, uh, like, it was, like, turn one, and I, like, swing with, like, a, a swift spear after I had probed, and he's like, hey, I'm going to be nice, but you didn't announce your prowess triggers. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't actually have to announce them. The only time you have to announce uh, um, the prowess that prowess has happened is when the information becomes relevant. So, like, when you deal combat damage or when someone says, how much is this, or you say attack for X amount, um, that's when you have to basically announce that the prowess trigger has happened. And I've had that judge call before at, uh, against my merfolk opponent at GP Columbus. So, uh, again, I called a judge over to let him know because, uh, you know, he was trying to be nice, but he was actually still wrong about the ruling. Mm-hmm. So I called a judge over to clarify that. And then um, I called another judge over to clarify the text on the Bedlam Reveler against my Loam opponent. So uh, basically, you know, Paulo's video was really just about the importance of judge calls, um, you know, how it's more often than not, cor- almost always correct to call a judge when there's any instance of, of un- you know, uncertainty in what's going on there. Really, I guess there's never a reason why you shouldn't call a judge over. Um, and that's yeah, kind I mean, of the way... Some, sometimes I call the judge over just to say hi. Yeah, of course, yeah. Hey, how's your day going, judge? Good, good. <laughs> you want some candy? Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, you want to call the judge over, and, and for players who are new to, like, competitive REL, um, it's... You know, it's not it's not an accusation of someone cheating to call a judge over. You just want to make sure that the game is being fairly represented and being fairly played by both players. Um, Paulo's video kind of goes into how um, him calling a judge on a player who was kind of doing some shady stuff against him ended up in him being bounced from GP Vegas when he was there because he, someone called a judge on him at GP Vegas, and they see this kind of um, uh, history of uh, kind of shady play. Um, so it's important to call a judge because even if it, you know, gets them a warning, you know, or n- not even like just a GRV or whatever, even as long as it gets them a warning and it shows them on the record that this player is have, having this issue, it will will show like a paper trail of them of them doing this over time. So, um, oh, yeah. you know, I, I don't I'm never hesitant to call a judge because you know like I'm still fairly new to Legacy. I've only been playing a couple years and like. There are a lot of interactions that I'm still not sure of, so I call a judge frequently um, for for clarification, and you know I think that 
calling a judge helps protect ourselves as a community against cheaters. So um, that's kind of my takeaway from from the, the from the judge uh, end of the GP there. Yeah, and if you ever just want to get to know your judges, just run Chains Mephistopheles in your deck, and you'll call a judge every round. <laughs> you gotta get the proxy guy to like the proxy guy uh, uh, card to put over your actual chains on the board. No, I've had that happen where round one of a tournament, it was like probably a hundred man uh, win a bunch of duels tournament. I played Chains of Mephistopheles. My opponent called a judge for Oracle text. The judge gave the rule and like gave him the Oracle text, and he's like. Uh, about ten minutes later, the judge comes over with like a full page printout of the proxy guys' chains of Mephistopheles <laughs> chart. He's just like, I figure we would nip this in the bud. Yes, <laughs> I just, mean, keep this with you for your matches. It truly is like just great, um, like a great like uh, what is it? A, essentially, a flow chart, right, of how that works. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, props, props to the proxy guy for sure. Um, and he also did the art for our fucking sick ass playmat. So. Which double are in the mail. Double props to the proxy guy. Um, so yeah, so that was my GP Vegas. Um, I was really excited to make day two. Um, it was pretty awesome. Aaron and uh, Ian were cheering me on, so that was pretty exciting. Um, my day two was at Professional REL, so that was pretty sweet. Um, I haven't played Professional REL. I actually was very like, um, very like pretty relaxed, all things considered, and like. Everything went off without a hitch. I, I caught losses in the first two rounds, and so I dropped after that. I played against um, Grixis Delver, which is like not a not a terrible matchup, but he just was able to get there. And I think I kept um, probably not awesome hands, and also had to mulligan both games against him, uh, two of the games against him. And I lost to Omni Show, which was like uh, both games that I lost to Omni Show. He was dead on the next turn, so he kind of had to go off with Omniscience that turn. Um, so there wasn't like any blowouts for by by any sense of the imagination, but. Um, but, but again, both my opponents on day two, I expected day two to be, like, full of, like, really salty people, but, like, I mean, I guess because we're in the six and three bracket, we're all just kind of there because we want to play and have fun, um, mm-hmm. but they were both, like, great people, like, really talkative, very friendly, and, like, it, it was just awesome, man, it was great to go to an event, play, you know, a full, day one was fucking super long, like, we went from, I think, the, I think, the, started at 10, I think we actually got to start playing at 10.30, and round turnover was super long, which kind of sucked. But we didn't end until about 8.30 at night. And it was just constant, like, playing all day long. I mean, it was nice that I was on Blue Red Delver because I finished, with the exception of round one, I finished every round with at least 25 minutes left on the clock. And because the rounds were taking about 20 minutes to turn over, I had a lot of downtime between rounds, which was pretty sweet. Um, but, nice. uh, yes, but the the, the downtime, the also just the time that it took to turn over rounds was kind of unfortunate. I don't know if it was because the, the GP was so massive. I mean, twenty six, you know, nearly twenty six hundred people is a lot. Um, yeah, I mean that's because especially when you get that many people, you're that means you're gonna have X amount of, uh, you know, control players, X right. amount of even just like high tide players or just decks that are really complicated that just take a while to play out. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think there was a, a few judge calls in day two. One judge call that took like thirty minutes to resolve in day two. It, it took forever. Um, I think actually that was the time when someone oh. got bounced. Yeah, I I uh, was reading about that. It was about uh, discrepancy in life totals. Uh, I think so. I heard, I kind of heard rumblings. I think that's what that was it though. Yeah, that it was basically the two players did not agree on what the stated life total was, and that's why that's such a difficult thing to figure out because the right. players. Because even if both players kept copious notes, if the notes contradict each other, it turns into a he said, she should said type of situation. Right, exactly. And then they have to 
basically rewind the game and try to figure you know figure out where everyone's at. It's uh not not fun. I imagine it took a long time. So, but I think overall, like Channel Fireball handled the GP really well. I mean, considering they were running three GPs back to back, and with one day overlaps between them, I think it went off essentially without a hitch. Like I, I thought it was pretty pretty well run GP. So, the first Channel Fireball event I've been to, and it did not disappoint. So that was pretty awesome. Sick. And speaking of numbers, Pat, I have uh, some surprising news. Ooh. So Legacy, uh, like you said, had 2,656 players. Mm-hmm. Modern had more. I, I mean, I think that's pretty fair point. I would say Modern and Legacy are equally popular, but Modern is just easier to get into. Yeah, how many uh, did Modern have? Modern crushed it with... 3,264. Wow. So almost hit the cap there. Yeah, almost hit the cap. So 3,065, how much more is that? Um, So that's about... uh, I don't have a calculator. Is that like 800 more? Roughly 850? 608. 608. 608. 608 more players for modern. Yep. Limited had the lowest turnout. That's not... I, I'm not surprised by that, especially because, like... limited? Yeah, well, because... Anyone so can play limited. But, but people who played the Legacy GP could day two Legacy and still play Modern. Whereas, like, limited was, like, the day after Legacy. So anyone who's in day two of Legacy could not play the, the, the limited GP. Mm-hmm. I just... I would have expected limited to be the most popular. Eh, I don't know, man. But what did limited have? Uh, maybe I'm just thinking of that because, like, the last GP Vegas, the limited was Modern Masters. Right. So it wasn't like had. a. It wasn't an old like this. This set is almost over. Originally, this was going to be a uh, standard GP, True. and they changed it to limited, which is good because I don't know if you saw the signs, but they actually stopped firing <laughs> limit. They stopped firing standard on demands because there was no, there was not yeah, enough demand interest. for them. Yeah. How crazy is yeah, that? that? Like, I thought that was like. Uh, uh, almost like a meme of, of the event, you know, yeah. no longer offering standard uh, events due to lack of interest. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, so... Hear that, Wizards? People just want to play Eternal Formats. <laughs> but, uh, Limited had 2,562 participants. 2,562. Okay. Yep. So slightly less than Legacy. Yep. But I was just shy. I would have expected Limited to be much more, just because yeah. Limited literally requires you to have, you know, however much they were price gouging. <laughs> right. I think it was ninety bucks. Oh my well, god. Well, I mean, I mean, standard. That's probably oh, why Limited was so low. It was ninety dollars. Legacy was no. Well, you know, actually, I'm probably mistaken. Legacy was ninety. I don't know what li- what Limited was. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it was an expensive event to play in for sure. But I mean, again, like I actually kind of didn't mind playing paying ninety bucks for it because it felt like. Uh yeah so yeah sealed was also ninety dollars so it was grant the uh, legacy sealed and modern were all ninety bucks each dear god yeah that's a lot I did get that sweet force of will play Matt <laughs> uh not not a fan Pat you didn't like it no I mean it's it's I'll just sell it um I did get like the channel fireball sleeves which I gave to like some little kid as I was leaving he like actually purchased channel fireball sleeves for with, with, with like prize points. Or like you know, like ticks or whatever, and I'm like, hey man, do you like those sleeves? He's like, yeah. I'm like here, I like dig in my bag. I'm like, take these. I have like two packs of like brand new sleeves. I'm like here, take these because I'm not gonna play them. He seemed pretty happy about it. So, nice. Um, and then I used my progenitus. Good guy, Pat. Yeah, and then I used my progenitus promo to get signatures from people at the GP. So, nice. <laughs> that's, that's good value. Yeah, it was awesome. It was great. So, 
Um, all right, so uh, let's talk about the GP Top 16. Um, so <laughs> there's been a bit of a meme going on in the Facebook group about de- about me saying death and taxes wasn't well positioned, and then it goes to take down the GP. But I'd say that it wasn't like widely represented in the top 64. So I think I'm still I still stand by my my by my uh, my statement there. Um, but running down the top eight lists, we had Sneak and Show in eighth. So your 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 baby, Sneak and Show. Um, and not not exactly. My was this baby. the omniscience list? Yes, yeah, it was. Well, okay. not, not just omniscience. Uh, everyone's pretty much running omniscience. It's the Cunning Wish. I'm not the biggest right. fan of the Cunning Wish. Uh, you I... might have to switch to it, man. It's pretty nah, good. Just, uh, no, no. What do you... <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it just feels like win more. Yeah, I can see that. You're, just, like, you're, you're more dirtily for like a little bit of redundancy that you don't really need. Mm-hmm. But I digress. I digress. Yes. Go, uh, go on. We had four color Leovold in seventh. Um, this is basically like the check pile list uh, with Colagon's command, abrupt decays, thoughtsies, lightning bolt, fatal push. I mean, all the all the removal and ha- hand disruption you can basically have in a, in a deck. Um, Grixis Delver in sixth, Rug Delver in uh, in fifth, which I is pre- shocked. At that. I am. I was also shocked. So like, Delver, Nimble Mongoose, True Name, and Tarmogoyfs. Um, that's what's Running interesting like, is he's splitting uh, the Tarmogoyf true name. So traditional mm-hmm. Rug Delver is four Delver, four Goose, four Tarmogoyf. But he's running four Delver, four Goose, two Tarmogoyf, two true name. Mm-hmm. Which I like because it is a hedge against all the removal heavy decks that we've been seeing a lot lately. Exactly. Like three color mid-range decks packing a million removal spells. Yep, exactly. So I actually like that split a lot, quite a bit. Um, I think we'll see a lot more uh, True Name Nemesis just in general, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're able to power them out with... Um, I mean, this deck isn't, but if you're able to power them out quickly with Deathrite Shaman, I think it's really strong. Um, yeah. Also interesting is he's running two main deck uh, Dismember, which is somewhat new, but I think that's just a nod to the fact that Gurmag Angler can give the deck a lot of problems. Yes, Gurmag... <coughs> Excuse me. Gurmag... <coughs> oh, man. So Gurmag Angler, um, probably opposing Tarmogoyfs if if it's the, at that stage yeah. of the game. Well, it's just Gurmag's so, so difficult because Gurmag can usually trade favorably with Tyrant Goyf. Like, right. Usually Goyf is a 4-5. Right, know, so they're on, bouncing on average, off each I'd other. say that's the most common Goyf you'll see. Yeah. And they're going to bounce off an opposing Tyrant Goyf. And, like, that's fine if you have a true name. But, um, yeah, you don't want to be playing that game with uh, with Gurmag Angler. Um, also, four main next stifle, which is pretty awesome too. It's yeah. like a, it's like a, re, it's like a real rug delver list. Yeah, I love stifle in this deck. I've always felt rug delver was the best stifle deck that you can play because oh, yeah. it's just designed to capitalize on it. Just oh, yeah. wasteland days, early threat, ride that early threat to victory, and then just keep them off mana for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had lands in fourth. Uh, I didn't see anything too interesting in this lands deck. Um, it looks pretty like pretty standard. Crop rotation, gamble, life in the loam, punishing, running the punishing fire, uh, Grove of the Burn Willows combo. Obviously, nothing too crazy. Um, did you see the freaking ridiculousness of Drop of Honey? That's probably the most interesting. Uh, so Drop of Honey is the single green for an enchantment. Um, during your upkeep, the creature in play with the lowest power is destroyed and cannot be regenerated. If there is a tie, you choose which to destroy. Drop of Honey must be discarded. If there are no creatures in play, so it's that is an ex- that is a $450 card. <laughs> it's a green property node. So two years ago, I'm looking at these things for $50 a piece, and I'm like, 
Yeah, I kind of want these, but I can just play Proffery Nodes instead, and that's a $5 card, which is, it was a time-shifted drop of honey. Mm-hmm. So in time, it's literally the same exact card, except it's one white for an enchantment instead of one green. So I never picked up these freaking drop of honeys, and I don't know if it was because of this list, but drop of honey has gone up like 4,000% over the last week. It's It went, like, last year it went from $50 to 100 and mm-hmm. now it's gone from a hundred to four hundred and fifty. Yeah. Well, that's what Arabian Nights, right? Yeah. That's a that's a tough print run. But it is disgusting. I think uh, Rachel Angs was showing off on Twitter. Uh, she had a bunch that she had just like got for like commander decks or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but she had like ten of them. <laughs> oh my god! It's like oh, I have four thousand five hundred dollars all of a sudden jeez drop it <laughs> yeah <laughs> drop it so drop of honey is your ridiculous spike of the week yeah crazy um we had grixis delver coming in third um again nothing too interesting about this deck really just a standard grixis delver list um blue red delver in I second they, yeah they they uh they misspelled your name pat they did they spelled it uh jonathan seaman oh, oh. So, let's see, I, I was looking at this list earlier, and it's basically my exact 60 with the, well, it's it's very close to my 60. Um, it looks like they cut two Chain Lightning in favor of um, one Vapor Snag in the main, which, is, hey, that's fine with me. And um, they're also running the four full, uh, full force of will in the main board, which I I put one on my sideboard. Um, but they're also running the 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 fun of fire blast and the fun of thunderous wrath, which I love because I I fire blasted and thunderous wrath more than one opponent this weekend, and it was glorious. Um, the sideboard actually is very close to what I ran. I had the grim lava mancer, I had the two power blast, I had the spell pierce, I had the two surgicals. I had the price. I ran two Smash the Smithereens over their one. I did not run Blood Moon. I actually think it's actively bad in the Blue Red Delver list. Um, I think Blood I, Moon's just bad in general in the meta right now. I think I don't actually. I think it's fine in the meta. Um, I mean, granted, like so all the, chomp, so, the, so, so let me. You can show decks have been cutting it. I. It's just go. Yeah. Say say what you. All have right. To so here's what I, here's what I have to say about it. So Deathrite Shaman makes Blood Moon actively bad. Okay. Yeah. That's for that's absolutely for sure. And Blood Moon is usually best when it's like a turn one or turn two play. And mm-hmm. in Blue Red Delver, it's almost never going to be on turn three. So it's going to be a late game, uh, like a late game, like mana sink. Not, I don't want to call it mana sink, but it's going to be a late game play. It's never going to be on turn three. So I actually think Blood Moon is actively bad. Um, it doesn't flip your Delvers. It doesn't pitch to force. Um, I mean, granted, like against like Check Pile, it's a great card, but Check Pile is also going to be is going to be off to the races before you're able to land a Blood Moon. Um, He's running Exquisite Firecraft, which I also think is probably not the best right now. Like, I mean, Exquisite Firecraft was great when we had Miracles, but in, a, in the meta where there's much less Miracles, it's probably not necessary. Um, I had the two Vortex. I did not run the Click. Um, I can see, actually, I've seen some lists run it in the main, which is completely fine. Um, and I also ran the Submerge. So this is very close to my 75, um, with a few notable exceptions. Um, but list looks very good. Um, I'm hoping to see... I'm, I haven't watched any of the, the coverage yet, um, but I'm hoping to check it out even tonight and just kind of, like, uh, peep and see what, what this guy was doing here with Blue Red Delver. Um, and then, in first, Andrew Calderon, running Death and Taxes. Um, again, I didn't see anything too crazy with this list. He's running, you know, a Sanctum Prelate, two Recruiter of the Guard, um, but everything else is pretty standard in the main Aether Vial, you know, the, the playset of Aether Vial, the Gite, Sword of Fire and Ice, Batter Skull, 
Um, and everything else looks pretty pretty standard. Gideon Ally of Zendikar has found its way into the sideboard of some of these decks, which is there's a pair of them here. Um, was there anything you wanted to say about this list? I mean, it seems pretty like just pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, it is pretty stock. Uh, nothing really jumps out of me. Uh, you know, I would say one of the spicier additions is the Sword of Light and Shadow, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's already running the Sword of Fire and Ice main, uh, but Sword of Light and Shadow isn't a card we see a lot of play out of. But mm-hmm. you know, it's so it's whenever equipped a creature deals damage to a player, you gain three life and you can return up to one target creature card from your graveyard to hand. Mm-hmm. So that's good in kind of the aggressive matchups where you really want to pad your life total, uh, and it's also good in kind of the grindy removal heavy uh, matchups where you mm-hmm. can kind of get some value out of it. But yeah, other than that, I would say it's a very stock list. Yeah, I think the Sword of Light and Shadow is probably just a nod to like the Fatal Push decks that have become that come in the format. Oh, that's like, actually if, a good point. If you yeah. expect to see a lot of Grixis Delver, you expect to see a lot of even like even Check Pile, like it has some some protection against that. Like you can't Colgon's Command a, a creature that's holding a sword. Um, so that's probably part like a, I would assume a nod to that. But yeah, um, definitely some cool cyborg tech in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that, yeah, it looks uh, he's got the one of. Horizon Canopy, just for a little bit of draw value. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, pretty standard. Yeah. I, I, I do... I, I liked what you said on the Facebook group, you know, just because Death and Taxes one doesn't necessarily mean it's well-positioned because right. it looks like it's... Uh, have we gotten the top 64 yet? Okay, so there is not a top 64. However, I believe that on Reddit they did uh, compile... Like, so... Uh, Watson love, did not yeah, compile top sixty four, but <laughs> yes, awesome. I think <laughs> I think they did it on Reddit. Which actually, give me a minute to look it up here. Um, they just talked I'm, to everyone who top sixty four to find out what they were playing, and then I, together. <laughs> I think that's actually what they did, actually, which is which is pretty funny. No, um, I, I'm being one hundred percent serious. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's they literally crowdsourced the top sixty four. Yeah, it's fucking fucking awesome. Um, let me see here. Sorry. Uh... Uh, but while you're looking at that, yes. Um, also, I forget who it was. Someone pointed out on the Facebook group that you know, top eight just is like rolling out the red carpet for Death and Taxes, just crushing yeah. all these other decks. Yeah, that's Aaron had mentioned they played against like Delver the all all three rounds of the top eight, which is great for uh, great for for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I not to discount what Andrew did. You know, winning a GP is huge. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. But. It's definitely luck, skill, victory. <laughs> yeah, a <laughs> little bit of luck, a little bit of skill. I really think that, like, in order to to top to top like uh, top top eight a GP that size, you really do need to have just you have to obviously be an incredibly skilled player, um, but you also have to have a little luck bit of luck on your side. Hurt. Yeah, like you you have to dodge like the well, like I wouldn't it, like in order for me to do, to do it. Uh, yeah, here we go. I would have to dodge like the uh, <laughs> like the the crop rotation decks essentially. Um, okay, so it right, looks like they posted on the source here. So what the fuck? This is not helping me here. Sorry. Continue. I will find the actual. There was actual someone who did the actual breakdown here. I'll find it. <laughs> um, what I also wanted to point out about the top sixteen was interestingly there was no miracles in the top sixteen. People were really, uh, you know, harping on the fact that we would see miracles pop up, and not if not the top sixteen in the top eight. Yeah, I think I actually was had a chance to talk to Topher um, at the GP because uh, he was seven and t- uh, I'm sorry, seven and zero going into round eight. Um, he 
it seemed kind of cold, honestly, on the Miracles deck. I mean, he's obviously just a very, very proficient with it. I don't think he was too thrilled with the deck. Um, I think that, uh, wait, hold on. This looks like it's, is this modern? This looks like modern. Shit. I got the modern one. Hold on. Let me go back and find it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so, it, <clears throat> excuse me. I think uh, he's a little cold in the deck. At least that was my impression of him, uh, of uh, kind of how he felt. Um, I don't really know if it's if it's good enough, man. I really don't. I, he he said it feels like it's he feels like it's treading water and not doing enough in the game. Like it's just a pile of cantrips, and sometimes that you're just getting run over in the time you're trying to churn through your deck. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, if basically, if you're not playing against someone who's doing the same thing as you, uh, you're you're gonna lose. It's basically you're king of the dirtles. You want to play against other decks that dirtle, and you just dirtle harder. Right. Uh, interestingly, you know what did put two copies in the top 16? Blue-White Stoneblade. Ooh. I'm ca- That's right. I'm, I'm just saying, I told you so. I told well, you, you, so you I First of all, you called him in the top eight, so you were wrong on that. It was I said, in the top eight. Well, no, I'm just saying, I said, if Miracles ever got banned, Blue-White Stoneblade would come back and forth. So oh, yeah, got, no, you definitely said that. You definitely said we, that. We got two copies. Looks like very similar lists in the top eight. And number 12 was Michael uh, Burnett. Uh, four Snapcaster, four Stoneforge, four True Name for the Creature Suite. Just really compact, tight creatures. Uh, three Jace, four Brainstorm, two Flusterstorm, four Swords of Plowshares, three Counterspell. <laughs> damn. Uh, I like it. Two Council's Judgment, four Force of Will, a Jit, a Batter Skull, and then 24 Lands, of which four Wastelands, which I like. Four yeah. Wasteland in the two-color deck. I think Wastelands just is a lot better without Miracles in the format. Yeah, definitely. Also, you I know? just like I don't even think he's necessarily going from the mana denial plan so much as it just being, uh, you know, a surgical strike. You know, if you take your opponent from, you know, two to one when they're about to drop their third land and play their own true name, uh, or Liliana or something like that, or using the Wastelands to take care of, uh, you know, utility lands that your opponents may play. Right, right. Um, then goddamn four containment priest in the sideboard. <laughs> he does not want you to win a game against him, Jerry. Apparently not. Apparently not. Yeah, his sideboard's very tight. He had three engineered explosives, two fluster storm, three surgical, four containment priest, and three disenchant, which is really interesting. Um, uh, I do have the top sixty-four here as well. When you're done with that, so cool. And then just also Mitchell and Win, um, playing very similar. Though, so three Snapcaster, four Stoneforge, three True Name, one Vendillion Click, just to round it out. Actually, it looks like he was running Patriot Blade, because um, he's running four Brainstorm, two Lightning Bolt, three Ponder, two Spell Pierce, four Source of Plowshares, only one Counterspell. Shave two Counterspells for two Lightning Bolts. <laughs> um, one Council's Judgment and one Supreme Verdict, which I like. And then he's also running... Uh, one engineered explosives main, uh, and he is dropping down to 21 lands, and is not running the wastelands in favor of the volcanic islands. And then his sideboard is just a lot more red heavy because it allows him to play uh, one pyroblast, two red elemental blast, and then an isn't staticaster. Mm-hmm. So I, I like those lists. I, I really like the stoneblade lists. I think they're pretty well positioned right now, and they're also just a hell of a lot of fun to play. Nice. Alright, are you sure it's not modern? I'm, pos- I'm positive, this is on the source. The link so. you just sent me has Grix's Death Shadow at number 6. <laughs> uh, 
I sent you another link. Oh, sorry. Did I send you the one from the source? Okay. Yeah, this is right. Yeah. This is right. All right, here we go. Here okay, we go. so <clears throat> so we have uh, eleven Grixis Delver, which which was my choice for being the most popular in the in the event. I think it certainly was. Uh, five Show and Tell, five Bant Deathblade, which good call, Jerry. Yeah. Um, five copies of Elves, which is a lot more than I expected, but thank you, uh, thanks to Miracles, it's not around. Um, four Bug Delver, three Miracles. Uh, that, which is exactly where it should be. I love that. Um, three four-color loam. Three, four color loam. Yep. Uh, three death and taxes. So again, top 64, three death and taxes. Like, the conversion rate to top eight is, I mean, pretty good, Like considering they got one copy out of the three in the top eight. But again, not a large representation of, of top 64 at all. Um, two copies of the check pile. That's like the four color, uh, four color list. I'm actually surprised we didn't see more check pile, considering how popular that deck seems. I think it's just I don't think there's a reason to play it, it um, because it's not Grixis Delver. Like you can just play a more consistent deck in Grixis Delver with a a similar amount of power level. Like you're, you're not running Snapcasters, but I think Grixis is just a better deck. Mm-hmm. I can see um, that. It's it's also just like it's a more proven deck. Like check pile is a fairly newer. Innovation. I mean, it's been obviously around, but it's fairly newer compared to Grixis. I think Grixis has kind of figured out. Um, two Food Chain, two Black Red Reanimator, two Black Green bug, uh, Black Green Depths, uh, much to Tom Hep's dismay. Uh, two copies <laughs> of Lands, two Rug Delver, two Blue White Stone Blade. Again, a nod to Jerry. Two Blue Red Delver. Thank you. Two Grixis Control. Uh, one blue black shadow, uh, an Eldrazi. I we know the person who was playing that blue black shadow list. I definitely saw that pop up. <laughs> <laughs> um, one Eldrazi, one in fact, who is our friend Zach Cook, um, who actually is going to be coming on the cast. Uh, he was one of the uh, day one nine O's on Infect, which is oh. pretty exciting. Yeah, I think he lost his win in the top eight, which is a bit rough, but really just a phenomenal day he had on Infect. Just an outstanding job. A uh, copy of Aluren, copy of Merfolk, and one copy of Bug Lands. So, uh, bug still. I bet that's Bug still. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, so, Jerry, we have some results of our top eight predictions here. Oh, yeah. Well, before we move on, Pat, I also just wanted to point to... 16th place for our friend Link, Lincoln Baxter. Yes, the, absolutely. The third. So he is running Sultai Control. Um, uh, let's control, run. Pat, yeah, let's <laughs> let's run down the list real quick. Uh, right. He is we running. Don't wanna, we don't want to go too deep though, because he is coming on next week to talk about the sweet deck. Okay. All right. So um, you know what? Then we'll just we'll we'll table this. Uh, we're we'll, we're going to table this. Just, we're going to give us. We're going to we're going to say, hey, geez, nice job, geez. Mr. Baxter. <laughs> and we will talk about this deck next week. Excellent. Um, it's a spicy one. It is spicy. It um, is combo and fair at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I do love when you run like the like the the one of each piece of the combo and just like want to get there. Ah, uh, this is a deck out of my own heart. It's just like oh, I can win the game with uh you know Leovolds and Snapcasters and Jaces, or I can just Dark Depths you in the face. Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't want to name the combo, but I guess Jerry's just gonna put it out there. So now, yeah, I'm, people will figure it out. Come on, <laughs> they probably already saw it. <laughs> um, and let's see. So I have the results of our little top eight uh kind of predictions here. So Jerry, technically we're tied. So you your your choices were Check Pile, which made it in, Sneak and Show, which made it in. Uh, you said Blue White X, Stoneblade, Storm, Miracles, Reanimator, Twelve Post, Bug Mid Range, all which did not make top eight. Um, my first choice was Grixis Delver, which actually had two entries in the top eight. So we gotta discuss this in a second. Um, I also uh, said 
Infect, Storm, Bug Delver, Eldrazi, Elves, uh, Blue Red Delver, and Dredge. So, Grixis Delver and Blue Red Delver obviously both got in. The rest of mine did not. However, technically I put in two copies of Grixis in the top eight, so I think I come out ahead <laughs> because I had three total decks in the top eight and you only had two. I don't remember what we bet, though. I should have wrote that down as well. Did we do... I think it doesn't matter because Sean Calvo put us both to shame. Sean, you know, bless his heart, but he didn't like the rules we were abiding by. He said we were being too vague. In He's a opinion. judge. Of course he didn't like our <laughs> nandy candy rules. <laughs> well, I just wanted to give Sean an early shout-out because he put together his own contest on the Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> Where Sean had people post what they uh, what they thought, and the winner actually received an obulate. An o- a, a what? O- ob- obulate? O- obulate? O- obliate? Select a creature in play when obulate is cast. That creature is considered out of play as... Obliate! Obliate. Oh, I love obliate. No, it's obliate. I fucking love that card. <laughs> I should have played his thing. Oh, my God. I fucking... Dude, uh, Aaron and I were and uh, Ian were talking about obliate on the way to our room the first night. I fucking love that card. It's, it's a great... It's a pauper fucking... It's a pauper uh, uh, powerhouse, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Unfortunately, Chris Cheehy won, so he uh. if couldn't have happened to a worse guy. <laughs> just kidding, Chris. Uh, we're just kidding. We love you, Chris. We love you, but Chris. Chris responded, mm, sweet Jerry tears taste so salty. So, <laughs> actually, screw you, Chris. <laughs> uh, I entered in Sean's uh, tournament, but I, I put eight sneak and show and then revised it to seven sneak and show and one read Duke. <laughs> uh, so, unfortunately, I did not win. Uh, and also, one, one other thing I wanted to just touch on real quick. The top eight, I'm just looking at... So, looks like... Uh, uh, do, how many of these names do you know? I mean, I'm sure... I know Jody Keith is a known name. I'm sure these are all known names, but, like, I didn't see, um, like, Joel Asset in the top 16 or any of the other, like, kind of, uh, like, real, like, like the the really well-known legacy legacy aficionado. So, I mean, I mean, Jar- I so Jarvis U is in ninth, so he's obviously well-known. Andrew Boswell... Um, yeah, in, I would say Jarvis U is probably tenth. the biggest one. Yeah. Andrew Caldron, see, that name sounds very familiar. I don't know if it's because he's a well-known Death and Taxes player or I've just played him before. I'm not so sure. Does, so does Daniel Cathro. I, I just, I'm not a person for names, so it would be surprising if, like, all these guys are... Yeah, I'm not uh, a person for names or faces yeah. or just, you know, remembering people, people in general. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> same. Um, all right, so... So that was the uh, the GP. Did we want to go over some spoilers real quick? We're getting a little long, but I think we had a long pre-show today, so we yeah, have some I, time to talk about some spoilers. I think the only I think the episode's only like forty minutes so far because we yeah. talked for so long before we started recording. <laughs> awesome. So uh, let's no, talk about some of these spoilers. Uh, the top cards. Uh, to no one's surprise, 52 copies of Brainstorm, which is actually two less than people were expecting. <laughs> but uh, 52 copies of Brainstorm. And is this in the top eight? This is the top 16. Okay. So it's not as bad. No, it's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's still Sneak and Show ran four, Four Color Level ran four, Grixis Delver ran four, Teamer Delver ran four, Lands did not run any, Grixis Delver ran four, Blue Red Delver ran four, Death and Taxes did not run any. So... Lots of Brainstorm. If you look at the top cards, it is very blue. So 81% yeah. of decks ran Brainstorm, 80, 51 copies of Force of Will, so one less. Who was running an odd number of Force of Will? That's interesting. It should be the Blue Red Devil player, but it's not. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, just tell the tell the winner how he should have played his his matchup. Hey, first of all, he he's came in second place. Probably would have been first place if he only had three. Oh man, oh, bet man. he was I missing mean, that price of progress then, or that yeah. chain lightning. That's what it is. I mean, Portman is actually not that good in death and taxes, so maybe you're right, Pat. <laughs> Dude, I, I really, I mean, I, I mean, well, we're not gonna go over it. I, I don't think three four. I think three four will is fine in, in blue red Delver, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, 40 ponder, so 68% ponder. My favorite is number four. Surgical Extraction. Oh, yeah, 27 copies. copies. I mean, it's a it's a colorless spell, and it is a hoser against a few decks. It's it's great against anyone who's trying to loam. It's great against anyone who's trying to do unfair reanimation stuff. Um, sometimes it just... It, sometimes it can just get someone. If you board, like, the one of Miser's copy and against any deck, like, I've I definitely surgicaled, um... Uh, the Infernal Tutor out of Storm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is pretty fun. Um, so yeah, I, I will say it does. I I would say it gets overused. Uh, I I yes. admit I was very guilty of this before Lawrence shamed me into uh, <laughs> not using it as much. But we were talking about this in the Sneak and Show uh, group where people were saying it's like, oh, you should diversify your non-scalding tarn uh, fetch lands because what if they surgical extraction your fetch lands? And my reaction is. If my opponent is surgical extracting my fetch lands and sneak and show, I'm jumping for joy because oh, yeah. that's one less card that I have to worry about because mm-hmm. that really doesn't do anything in that no. matchup. Like no. surgicaling fetch lands, like first of all, if the fetch lands in the graveyard, that means you've already used it. Mm-hmm. So that land is in play. So you're not like taking me off mana. And usually if I already have one or two lands in play, the last thing I want to draw is another land in that deck. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think people overuse surgical extraction, but its power level is definitely there. It's it's I would say it's one of the pillars of the format in you know, as far as sideboards go. Agreed. Agreed. Next was Days, which is yes. surprising. Days making a comeback. Twenty seven twenty seven copies of Days. Also who are who are, are running all these odd copies of these things? Like I don't ever want to run an odd number of dazes. Dazes is either four or zero. Nothing in between. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You don't want to draw days late. By running three copies of days, all you're doing is increasing the chances that it's not in your opening hand. And or you you're just you're decreasing the chance you'll see it late in the game. Conversely. No, no, that's not how that works. That's not how, <laughs> that's not how any of this works. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, three uh, twenty-seven copies of Lightning Bolt. I'm actually surprised Deathrite Shaman isn't higher on the list. Twenty-four copies of Deathrite. Well, there weren't that many copies of of. <laughs> All right, so what I was gonna say is there just weren't that many copies of Deathrite Shaman in the top sixteen. But obviously, that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, oh God, man, <laughs> obvious obvious point is obvious, but yeah. Generally, the team that scores the most. Points. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, followed by 20 copies of Delver, 19 probes, 18 flush storms. There's 19. I feel like these are gonna, these odd numbers are going to kill you, Jerry. Probe, not as much. Like, I can see running odd numbers of probe because yeah. probe is almost like, all right, I got 57 cards, three Gitaxian probe, good to go. <laughs> uh, like, same with Lightning Bolt. It's like I can see people running three Lightning Bolt because they're kind of hedging their bets and, you know, running something else. But it's like things like Days. Days is a four or nothing. Brainstorm is... I, I don't know anyone who would run less than four Brainstorm. Ponder is generally two or four. Um, mm-hmm. you, like, if we see three Ponder, it's usually because 
you needed to cut a ponder just to fit that that one of like really spicy can't can't leave home without a card. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I'm not I'm not opposed to odd numbers. It's just some cards just don't make sense to run three copies. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, very blue top cards. Top very cards. very blue. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seventy percent of the top ten are blue, mm-hmm. and that's not counting like I mean, surgical extraction is basically colorless, so plenty of blue decks are running that too. But yeah, mm-hmm. very very blue. Yeah. Uh yeah, so that was the GP. Um, I hope people got to watch coverage. I did not get a chance to watch. I will try to uh, observe some in the next few days. And uh, check out some of the uh, archives there. Yeah, I didn't know um, it, it hurt too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, for me, making my first day two was super exciting. Um, I think uh, my takeaways from the GP were I probably should practice Blue Red Delver leading up to a large event. Although we'll practice whatever deck I'm playing because for the last like month and a half I've just been playing <laughs> no, just... Bug Depths. Always practice Blue Red Delver. <laughs> um, so, and I have kind of, um, I have slimmed out my collection quite a bit. I sold off uh, like three UCs, like three Trops, a Bayou, um, uh, Goifs, and just some other stuff, some Leovolds. I basically like decided like, look, every time I go to a, a large event, any paper event, I'm like, I'm just going to play Blue Red Delver because I really like playing Blue Red Delver. Even if sometimes it's, it's better, sometimes it's worse, but I just like playing the deck. Um, and so I decided to look like it's higher EV for me to get out of some of these things that I'm not going to play. Like if I really want to play like bug, I can just say, Hey Jerry, can I borrow some bug lands and some cards <laughs> or Aaron? Oh, all my friends, all my friends, whenever they sell out of some legacy cards, like, Oh, I'll just borrow it from Jerry. If I right. play it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I will pay you a handsome renter's fee of a handshake and a hug. Oh man. I supplied like three decks to GP. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you could have just gone yourself. I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I decided to unload some of the things I wasn't using. Like, I, I play primarily on Moto, so cards are much easier to change in and out there. I'm hoping to maybe get like a partnership with going on Moto somewhere where I don't have to pay for cards. But we'll see if that's that's if I can get that in the works. But um, you know, I, I play mostly on Moto, so like I can just have whatever decks I want in there. But in paper, like, it just didn't make sense for me to have money sitting in there when I could like basically turned the cards that I had into, like, basically $1,500 in cash, and I came home with a big stack of cash for my wife and said, hey, put this away, we're going to bring the kids to Disney in a couple of years, so she was pretty happy about that, so yeah. I bought back some Goodwill, because she had four days with the boys, so I think it was a, a good trade and higher higher EV overall in there, and then if yeah. I want to if I want to buy into to, the decks again in the future, I can, but for now, I'm not using them, and the, the I sold a few of them to Hararuya, I did another deal with uh, someone else who I hold in very high regard in the community who I know will put those cards out back in the community at at very reasonable prices. They don't gouge people, so um, hopefully we see those circulating around as well. So yeah. they'll hopefully all go to good homes. Well, also, it's like you, you asked me before you sold them. You're like, hey, should I do this? Am I making a terrible mistake? And mm-hmm. like I said, like you know, if you told me you were selling these dual lands because you wanted to buy a new TV, I would have flown to Vegas and slapped you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that's yeah. just a terrible idea. But, you know, like you said, you know, you're you're taking this money and you're spending it on memories. You're going to go, you know, on a Disney vacation with your family. Right. I think that's totally reasonable. And all all these cards are cards that you either probably sold it for about what you bought it for or even made a little bit of money on. Yeah, I think I think almost across the board I actually made money on, on just about everything, which is great. 
Right. Also, just the EVs there, where now you can be like, hey, honey, look, I made money on these cards. Isn't yes. It a, isn't it a good idea that I buy these other cards? So I'm also <laughs> playing the long game where I'll be able to get to G- to uh, Eternal Weekend at Pittsburgh. So, <laughs> there you go. so I'm, I'm working I'm working the long game there. So. <laughs> Um, well, Pat, with that money for the Disney trip, if you want, I got some primo Uzbekistan bonds. You want a fat return? Well, you know, I've only heard good things about Uzbekistan gold, so the bonds must be great as well. Hundred percent. Um, also, I wanted to. So, um, uh, Hackbert, uh, I think his first name is Matt. I only know him as Empty Hackbert. He's on the Facebook group. He uh, came over to me during side events. He's like, hey, I want you to send a picture of this to Adrian. And just like, he's like, I've been playing um, uh, eight mans in this with this deck. And just like, puts down uh, all like 75 of tin fins, including like children, all of Adrian's favorite cards. I'm like, oh, great. I took a picture of it. Why does that to Adrian? And I couldn't find him on Facebook anywhere. I thought he deactivated his account, but he just, he just changed, no, he changed his screen name. So I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to cha- I'm going to have to tag him in it privately so he can see the, uh, the sweet Tinfins list. I can also text Adrian on the back channels. Oh, nice, very I can, nice. I'll get. A, I don't. I don't know how to send a picture over a ham radio though. So. <laughs> <laughs> hard, it it's out. hard to get that digital signal into the bunker anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, all right, so we have some hour of devastation spoilers. Uh, Jerry, you watched coverage of them trying to dig out <laughs> a card from the sand. I will. I will just say that the I started and then gave up because it the, took too long. <laughs> the sand was the the sand castle, the sand building, whatever you want to call it, sand architecture was very impressive. It was actually fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really really neat. But when you said <laughs> you wrote show no ideas. The shit show of digging through sand to find a giant card uh, made me laugh very hard. But um, they have some Hour of Devastation spoilers up. Was there anything here that caught your interest? Yeah, there's actually a lot. This set looks cool. Like, not enough for me to actually buy packs of this, but I will definitely buy these singles. <laughs> okay. Uh, invocations are back, by the way. Oh, yeah. So if we just want to talk about the Invocations, rip my wallet because I need those omniscience. <laughs> Oh, you don't God. even play Omniscience. No, I play two Omniscience main. I play two. Okay. Main. I just don't run the Cutting Wish. Oh, okay. Um, but, the thoughts these are. I mean, I don't. The art to me doesn't really make sense, except for maybe Doomsday. I mean, boy, I guess Boil too. Capsize is literally a boat like flipping. So yeah. Well, like the ones that didn't make sense to me were like Choke. Choke yeah. didn't make sense. Some of them are bad. Uh, I was also talking like I don't know what it is. Uh, like I, someone was was saying they were like uploading better scan qualities this time around, but these or maybe it's just like I'm used to them because it's not so much of a shock value. But mm. for some reason, these invocations look better than the old inv- invocations from last yeah. set. They just they just seem better. I don't know why. I can't really articulate it. The Blood Moon art is pretty dope though. Blood Numenar is dope, but that omniscience, uh, just like Nicol Bolas with the sun behind him, and he just has like his wings outstretched. Does he have like, his head head egg? Uh, his I, head, I, you it, can't see his head the egg. The resolution isn't that great, but yeah, it just looks so good. I need to get that. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So, th- so those are back. Um, how about the actual uh, set? What uh, caught your eye here? Um, I mean, if we're just gonna address the 500 pound elephant in the room right off the bat uh probably the one that is already shaking up the legacy community is solemnity oh yeah that's the the three man enchantment right yep two and a white enchantment players can't get counters fuck in fact uh counters can't be put on artifacts creatures enchantments or lands now 
At first, when I first saw this, I didn't realize the rules implications of it uh, because I didn't think the rules worked this way. And unless some rules change, apparently it's going to be much better than at first glance. But at first, I just saw it as like, oh, this is kind of like a F you to infect. It's a hate card. Uh, but apparently, the way the rules interactions work with enter the battlefield counters, all of these cards interact in crazy ways with it now. So, for example, one of the biggest ways is Dark Depths now just comes into play as a 2020. <laughs> so if you have a Solemnity in play, Dark Depths are literally free 2020s. Yeah, I mean, I asked, well, I think that's going to require a new archetype, right? Because I asked Tom. Yes. Tom I, is our resident Hex Depths player, and he's like, I have no interest in running Solemnity in, in his I, deck. Yeah, I mean, well, just for the sheer fact that Hex Depths is already a very tight list, mm-hmm. uh, that's green-black. It's not like Hex Depths is running white anyways. So right, right, right. I think it's definitely... So where do you think this fits in, like... I think you kind of, like, something like Lincoln's deck, almost, where it's just, like, you have a deck that functions on one axis, but also just has Dark Depths as an alternate win condition. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, um, interesting interesting pl- like uh, implications here is, like, it, uh, it does kind of hose Infect if you want to play a three-man enchantment against Infect, which you might be dead by then anyway, so that's, that's something to think of. Yeah, also, like, Infect runs their own counter magic, so I mean, if you're I, playing white, you might not be in a, in a base blue deck, so you might not be able to stick this on time. Don't, don't focus too much on Infect. Kind of focus on, you know, what other implications says, because I feel if you're running Solemnity, you're also... Uh, maxing out on the cumulative upkeep cards. So the other thing uh, angle everyone's approaching the card with is a lot of cumulative upkeep uh, cards just got a hell of a lot better. Right. Um, probably the biggest one is Glacial Chasm. Mm-hmm. Glacial Chasm is cumulative upkeep, uh, pay two life. With right. some limited in play, you don't have to pay that amount anymore, and now you don't take damage as long as you have Glacial Chasm in uh, play. Right. So the cumulative upkeep cards are very powerful. Um, I don't think it's good enough for uh, uh, Legacy because for the same cost you can just play Omniscience but uh, Jason Alt tweeted out, by Decree of Silence, <laughs> which is a hilarious card, it's an enchantment for 6 blue blue uh, whenever a player plays a spell, counter that spell and put a charge counter on it uh, when it has 3 charge counters sacrifice it <laughs> with Solidity you never put charge counters on so it's just basically counter all the spells your opponents play for the rest of the game <laughs> So wait, uh, is New Miracles going to show and tell that into play? <laughs> I don't think so. Because like, literally, for this, like, the same amount of work to get this cute combo, you could just get an Omniscience and win the game. Right, I think it's right. more of like for EDH type sure, stuff. Sure, yeah, of but course, just, of course. But that's just hilarious. <laughs> it is really great. Is Counter great. all the rest of the spells your opponents play. <laughs> um, so I, I think Solidity is one of those cards that just fucks with the rules on this base level that there are combos that we haven't even thought of yet. Mm-hmm. Like, there are going to be people, like, digging through bulk bulk bins and just finding, like, oh, this is a crazy combo with Solemnity. So I, I definitely think Solemnity is going to see play. Um, it's probably going to take a while because it's one of those things where people really need to figure out what's the best thing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I just think there's too much interaction there for it not to do something. Do you, do you think it becomes a hate, like a hate card in the sideboard, or do you think it becomes something that's actually played in the main deck? Uh, I would say more likely, if it's going to do things, it's going to be uh, kind of a build-around-me card. Um, yeah. Just because I don't ever see Infect being so popular that it requires this level of hate. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I can't really think of any other decks that this hates out. Uh, Death and Taxes, because people can't put counters in their vials, yeah, I guess. But not really. Like, if you shut no, Death and Taxes vials, you're not really shutting down the deck. That's true. I'm just I'm just trying to think of, like, uh, other instances where it has splash damage, like, splash damage against known decks. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, when I first learned about the rules interaction, I thought it was also a planeswalker killer, but then I realized how to read and realized that planeswalkers are not listed. <laughs> they will never make a planeswalker hoser because Watsy just has a fucking hard on for planeswalkers, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan uh, of planeswalkers, but. Yeah. Well, other interesting things with it, too, is it also means uh, Chalice of the Void and Engineered Explosives can't enter with uh, charge counters on them. So This is true, but by the time you're hitting three mana, yeah, like, they, the they probably thing. already chaliced for one. Yeah, um, it's it's not the biggest deal. It's just interesting interactions with it. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I think cumulative upkeep is probably the one that's going to be the biggest, just because there are a lot of old, old cumulative upkeep cards that lots of people have forgot about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think someone was throwing around like Mystic Remora, which is I have to look it up because I cannot remember that card off the top of my head. Mystic Ramora is one blue for an enchantment, cumulative upkeep of one, but as long as you have solemnity, so, wow, that's a tongue, solemnity, oh, this is going to be the new card everyone makes fun of me for my pronunciations, Pat. <laughs> you want to read it, Jerry? The new Chains of Mephistopheles. <laughs> so whenever an opponent plays a non-creature spell, you may draw a card unless that player pays four. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, Mystic Ramora plus... Uh, Solemnity is pretty darn good where it just gives you a huge card advantage engine. Yeah, I guess. That's a, that's a two-mana combo, like, to draw a card when your opponent plays a non-creature spell. That doesn't seem very good. Yeah, but what's good about it is that in order for them to answer it, you're going to gain value off of it. There's no real yeah, but... way for your opponent to answer it without mm. them making it into a two-for-one or a one-for-one. One. Yeah, but you're probably not playing this until turn four. Four. That's what you say. Right? There are things such as Ancient Tomb and City of Traders, my friend. Yeah, but you're not... Well, I suppose... I guess. I don't know. I, I'm not... I'm playing this turn one off of Lotus Petal and City of Traders. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you do that, Jerry. Good luck, Good luck <laughs> I friend. I don't know where I'm, what I'm going to do after that. Probably play a moat. <laughs> play a moat! <laughs> yeah, great. Blue, blue White Enchantments, here we come. Oh, uh, man. Some of the art for this set is pretty amazing, though. I haven't really looked at too many of the cards. The other one is Phyrexian Life. That was the other combo people were uh, throwing out there. Wait. Is that the white card? Yeah, that's the. Other. I think that probably is what we're going to see the first build around me decks focus on because they're so Phyrexian Life is two and a white as well, and it's uh, if damage would put you below zero life, you take that da- you don't lose the game, and you take that damage as infect counters instead. Mm-hmm. Well, with Salinity, because you can't get infect counters, as long as both of those are in play, you're effectively immortal. Hmm. So until think, someone until someone removes Phyrexian on life. Yeah, until then well, you no, still die. Would remove, uh, oh yeah, Phyrexian on life. Yeah, you're right. Because then you would just lose the game on the spot. There's not a lot of enchantment removal though. I guess in Legacy, right? Yeah, and also with the fact that just abrupt decay is on the downswing now that people aren't as worried about uh, counterbalance anymore. Um, people don't feel the need to jam for abrupt decay in every deck. Um, I think it, it definitely gives the uh, deck a bit more breathing room. I mean, there's definitely answers for it. It's not the best thing you can do in Legacy, but if you're just looking for a fun, wacky combo build around me deck, uh, I think there's worse, worse things you could do. Mm-hmm. Now, to clarify before I get all the angry emails saying that this combo is shit, I'm not saying this is going to break Legacy by any means. <laughs> but it's another fun, interesting thing that you can do in the format uh, and just be different. <laughs> Yeah. They're just going to have to play a bunch of Aura Blasts in the sideboard. <laughs> well, that blue-white player running three Disenchant, maybe he thought it was going to be legal already. <laughs> Wait, what is what is Disenchant? Is that Enchantment or Artifact? Yeah, one one colorless and a white Destroy Tart uh, Artifact. 
enchantment. So yeah, I, th- I feel. Oh yeah, that makes sense because Aura Blast is one in a white, destroy enchantment, draw a card, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, couple other things that probably aren't legacy playable, but I just think are cool. I like the Factor Fiction Sphinx. Did you see that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that. Um, the Unesh uh, <laughs> Cryo Sphinx. Cry yeah, Cryo Sphinx Sovereign. They're just making shit up now. Um, this is four blue blue for a legendary creature Sphinx. It has flying. It's a four four. Sphinx. Finally, make those Sphinx Sphinx uh, commander decks. That's right. Sphinx spells you cast cost two less to cast. Whenever Unesh, Creo Sphinx Sovereign or another Sphinx enters the battlefield under your control, reveal the top four cards of your library. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. Put one pile in your hand and the other into your graveyard. That's real good. I don't yeah. play standard, but if I played standard, I'd be playing that because. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, it's it's a it's essentially draw two cards whenever you play it or another Sphinx. Right, right. Unless your opponent's really crazy and does like one and three or zero and four if they're feeling real friendly. <laughs> um, I also like the two gods. I don't think the gods are good enough for legacy, but I definitely want to build some commander decks around them. Sure, yeah, yeah. Locust god. Whenever you draw a card, put a one one blue and red insect creature token with flying and haste. Seems pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you could always use that as a win condition in uh, High Tide. Just screw a <laughs> genius yourself and then just put all these 1-1s one into play with haste and kill your opponent. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Or you just brain freeze them and kill yeah, them. Yeah, whatever. What, maybe they have Eldrazi. <laughs> maybe they have Eldrazi in their deck. You don't know. Sure, yeah, sure. You don't know. No, you're right. I don't know, Jerry. I don't it's, know. It's cool. I like it. I don't know why you play that card. You're right. We, we got the Scorpion God. There must be some more gods, right? Uh, there's one more god. Well, have you noticed? Because it's the Nicol Bolas colors. So the first five gods are the five basics, and now these three gods, we have blue and red. Scorpion god is black and red. Yep. I'd bet your bottom dollar, Pat, that the next god is going to be blue-black. Blue-black, ooh. Because that way you get all the color combinations of Nicol Bolas. Nice. So, I mean, I've really liked the gods so far. Maybe the blue-black god will be legacy playable. I doubt it but if it is i i think it'd be sweet mm-hmm. um kind of just from a general standpoint what i like uh that they've made a huge uh comeback for to is color hosers mm. so for the longest time wizards refused to print color hosers because they thought it was i don't know like not a fun mechanic Unfun, yeah like if you get when i think of like color hosers i think of like the circle of protections um, sure, yeah. I think of, like, Chill, Red Spells cost two more to play, Choke, Islands don't untap. Um, you know, there's a lot of examples. That, you know, Pyroblast is probably the one that sees the most play, Destroy Target Blue Spell or Counter Target Blue Spell. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the longest time, Wizards refused to print specific color hosers. And now, just in an abrupt face, all of a sudden, they're printing color hosers again with the uh, various Planeswalker defeat cards. Gideon's defeat, Jace's defeat, Liliana's defeat, Chandra's, Nissa's. Um, none of them are that good, but I just like that Wizards is now not afraid to print these color hosers because color hosers tend to be some of the more powerful sideboard cards that you can play. When, like, when color hosers are good, they're very good. Like, Choke, when choke is good, it is game-winningly good. Right, right. You don't care, do you? No, I mean, well, I, I, I like, I actually personally like color hosers. I think they're fine. Um, I think there should be more color hosers because le- magic is a zero, like, zero-sum game when it comes to fun. So, fuck them. <laughs> 
Good. <laughs> Good. Um, also, it looks like the, the split card, the aftermath cards, um, they seem a lot more aggressively costed so far, which means they might actually see a little bit of play. There is uh, Japanese symbols of so Japanese symbols <laughs> driven like, to... De- would you like to know what it says? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> so it's reason for the blue side, and then live, so reason to live. That's live. No, it's live. Because Re- it's live. reason to live, Pat. Reason to live. Pretty to sure it's live. live. Um, reason to live? Reason to <laughs> yeah. live, really? Sounds right. All right. All right. Uh, this is one instant away from being a very playable card. It's a sorcery, unfortunately. If it was an instant, I could definitely see running this in a blue-green version of Show and Tell. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. even as is. It might be a cool one-of. But it's uh, just one blue. So for the low, low cost of blue, Scry 3. Scry 3 is very powerful. I would say Scry 3 is basically the equivalent of drawing a card, probably drawing a card and a half. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Louis Scott Vargas uh, said, the, you know, Scry 2 is about equal to drawing a card. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Live is the interesting side, 4 and a green. Look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you can p- reveal it and put it into the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand. Ooh, I kind of like that. Yeah, so it's basically a one-sided show-and-tell where you just put it into play off the top of your deck, which... If you've scry three the turn before, you probably know exactly what's on top of your library. Yes, yes. Four and a green is pretty expensive, though, which is why I can see it as maybe like a one of in maybe like a Eureka Tell uh, or Hypergenesis even as just kind of another way to uh, mm-hmm. cheat creatures into play. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like uh, Driven to Despair, though. You want to go over that one? Yeah, sure. Uh, Driven to Despair, it's green and black. Uh, the It's a sorcery. The green side is one and a green. Until end of turn, creatures you control gain trample, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Despair is one and a black for a sorcery. That's the aftermath side. Until end of turn, creatures you control gain menace, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card. So you could, like, for one green and then one black, play this in the same turn, correct? Yeah, I mean that's it's a it's a aggressively casted enough that you can conceivably you know you can play some creatures turn ones two and three and then turn four just go off and play both halves of this mm-hmm. and if they resolve that'll just that's a game winning move in its own mm-hmm. just draw a bunch of cards and then strip your opponent of any cards that they may have in their hands. The the cool thing about the aftermath cards too that's sort of neat is that like if they counter the the. The regular side, you have the aftermath side in the graveyard to still play, which is right. kind of interesting. Exactly. So even if they counter one half of it, if you play the other half, or even if they let the first half resolve and then counter the second half, um, you know that you're probably still getting some value out of it. Right. Right. Um, I wonder. Like I, I'm guessing it's probably not good enough for elves, but just because they could just crater hoof instead. But, right, yeah, natural order just seems better. Yeah, but if this is just kind of like an alternative <laughs> to natural ordering, if you're just swinging in with a bunch of elves, that's also going to be a game-winning move. Yeah, they have like Glimpse of Nature, Natural Order, it seems better than Driven to Despair. But right. still something neat. It could become like a fun of in that in that deck. Yeah, I could see something like Nick Fit playing it. Um, yeah, that I could see. Yeah, just because they already have like beefy creatures already, so if they're just mm-hmm. swinging in with some 3-3s three or 4-4s, four uh, just playing the driven side, just giving a trample and draw a card could be worthwhile. Yeah, sure. Um, that said, probably not going to see a hell of a lot of play. But no, it's, but these it's are always interesting to talk about. Yeah. 
And then the other one, the only other one I saw that was very interesting was uh, uh, Mirage Mirror. Okay. Um, before Solemnity came out, people were talking about this maybe being a possible addition to Lands as your Thespian stages 5 through 8. Right, right. So it's an artifact for 3, and then it has 2. And what's interesting is it's not a tap, so you can do this multiple times. In a, well, I guess not because it loses the ability. Uh, but two Mirage Mirror becomes a copy of target artifact, creature, enchantment, or land until end of turn. Mm. So Thesbian stage that can target creatures and artifacts and enchantments as well. Um, I, I think it's interesting. You know, even if you're not copying a Dark Depths with it, you know, you can copy uh, your opponent's creature and to get a block in. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can copy your opponent's Grizzlebrands. I was going to say copy your Emrakul. Yeah, copy uh, copy your opponent's omniscience. Um, it, I think it could see play. I think it's just been overshadowed by solemnity. Yeah, it's neat. I think the fact that it's colorless gives it a big boost. Yeah, because it, it obviously can play it in whatever deck. Um, it could be like again, like a one or two of in a lot of decks, um, or spawn its own uh, archetype, I suppose. Yeah. There's a lot of things in, in Legacy you like to copy. <laughs> There's a lot of things <laughs> worth copying, I should say. That is true. Uh, and then the other one I really liked was Fraying Sanity. Not because it's good, but just because of the flavor. <laughs> Wait, where, which one? Is this a, it must be a black card, right? Nah, it's blue. It does seem oh. black, though. Fraying Sanity, two in a blue. Enchant Player, it's a curse. Because <laughs> we remember how good curses have always been. <laughs> At the beginning of each unstep, Enchanted player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard, where X is the number of cards put into that graveyard from anywhere this turn. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, okay. they want they want Mill to be a thing. They're like, eventually we're gonna hit a critical mass pad, and Mill will be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure, 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 sure. Uh, what I really what like if, about does this co- does this combo with um, Leyline of the Void? Uh, how so? Like, you're not actually putting any cards in your graveyard? So you have to keep putting cards in your graveyard? Isn't that how that works? The Leyline Helm combo? Puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard where X is the number of... I guess so? I, I think we Although I guess, to... I guess there's zero cards in the graveyard because Leyline's oh, already yeah. out. <laughs> like, you would have to put a card in the graveyard, then play Leyline of Sanctity... No, Leyline of the Void. Oh, Leyline, sorry, Leyline of the Void. And, right. And have that. Well, I guess you could go turn three for Insanity, then just have something go to the graveyard for <laughs> your opponents, and then it's a stretch, but I yeah. I think that works rules. These are these. So what we're saying is these aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> no, but like, move along, you, move like, along. Physically, if that series of scenarios played out, would it work? <laughs> and I think the answer is yes. <laughs> okay. All I don't right. really care about any of that. I mean, Mill's cool, but I like that the art is a callback to... I forget what the card is called, but it's like one blue and a black um, target player... Uh, counter-target spell, then that player mills the top two from the top of their deck into the into their graveyard. Ooh, I forget what the, One the blue, black. Called. It's one blue, black, counter-target spell. But the art... It's literally, if you put the art side by side, it's the same art, only in Fraying Sanity, it's a mummy instead of the original wizard. So I, Hold on, we're going we're gonna to find it here. Um, Minecrank, is that what it is? No, Minecrank is a black spell, isn't it? I don't see it under anything that's blue-black. That says counter-target spell. 
Maybe I'll just write counterspell. Hmm. No, oh, so I'm thinking of psychic. Oh, but that's different art. Psychic strike. Is it blue black? Oh no, it's is it pilfer plans? Pilfer plans. Oh, I see pilfer plans. Uh, it's similar. It's not that though. Fuck, what am I thinking of? Maybe it's a different <laughs> card then. Someone needs to tell me. Frank Sanity lines up with another card. Tell me what I'm thinking of, listeners. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, mill will be a thing eventually, Pat. Eventually. <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. We're running out of gas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we get out of here, Jerry, um, if someone wants to talk to you about these janky uh, Hour of Devastation cards, where can they find you, man? <laughs> I'm all over the Twitterverse. Pat, what's my Twitter handle? Uh, J-M-E-E-3-R-D. You forgot the at sign. They don't need that. It's Twitter. <laughs> I'm also on Facebook. I'm on the Leaving a Legacy page. I'm also on... I'm mostly active in the Sneak and Show Facebook group, but I do pop in from time to time. You know, the Stoneblade groups, the Death and Tackles groups, Miracles groups, all the various groups out there. So you can find me perusing around the Facebook pages. Uh, nice. Feel free. What about you, Pat? Oh, man. Uh, all right. So you can find me at Pat Uglo on Twitter. You can find me, Pat Uglo, on the Leaving the Legacy Facebook page. Uh, you can search for Living Legacy on Facebook and find that there. My Twitch is twitch.tv slash Pat um, uh, You know, you can find Living Legacy in a lot of different places. Just search for it on Google. Uh, Jerry, who do you want to scoop in the top eight this week, my friend? I want to scoop in all the awesome people who went to GP Vegas and didn't rub it in my face. <laughs> Fuck all I didn't rub it in your face. Fuck. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I was nice about it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There were a lot of people who were who were bummed you weren't there, but um, you were definitely missed. Uh, I will say that I really loved GP Columbus quite a bit, and uh, had you been in Vegas, I don't think we ever would have come home. So maybe it was a good thing you never came. <laughs> We'd be opening up shop in Tijuana right now. Oh God, yeah, it would have become. I did absolutely zero drinking when I was in Vegas, and thank God because it would have become extremely degenerate. Dear God. Yeah, dear God. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I'm going to scoop in, man. I met so many people at GP Vegas, um, so let me try to... I'm going to try to go over some of my mind. If I miss any of you awesome people, please forgive me. Um, it was a crazy couple days when I was out there, so... Alright, so, from the Facebook group, I remember meeting Chris. I remember meeting uh, MD Hackbert. They were both super awesome. It was great to meet them. I got to meet Rich Stein and David McCoy of, uh, of Hipsters of the Coast. We actually had lunch with them the day we came in, Aaron, myself... And those two guys, really, really great lunch. We sat for like two or three hours talking about the website and just magic in general. They were really great to meet. Um, I got a chance to find and talk to uh, uh, Julian Nab, uh, the you know noted Elves player, and he's a friend of the cast. I got a chance to actually meet Zach Cook, <clears throat> who makes really awesome Legacy content on Legacies Allure, which is uh, uh, his YouTube channel. He also releases that as a podcast as well. He was 9-0 on day one with Infect, so congrats to him. Um, I definitely want to have him on the cast soon to talk about Infect, because that's a deck we haven't really uh, done a deep dive on yet. Uh, let's see. Who else did I see? I got to meet Aaron, I got to see Erin Campbell again. Uh, it was great to see her. We went out for dinner uh, with Chris, um, her friend. Who Chris is awesome. Uh, Chris was on uh, the Girlfriend Bracket, and uh, they write some really cool stuff. Um, they have their own website. You can check that out. I can't. Rec- I think it's B- Back Tables MTG. Um, it's a WordPress blog. 
so that's pretty cool. You can check that out. Uh, let's see. Who else did I meet when I was there? So I met uh, Moxie MTG. I met Elliot. Uh, uh, they were uh, Hack. I think Hackworth. I think is his, his Twitter handle. Uh, they were both awesome, really awesome people. Um, man, who else did I meet? I got to talk to a few artists. Um, uh, I got to complete my playset at Swiss Beers. That took me literally a day and a half to get four copies of Monastery of Swiss Beer in Japanese. But I was finally able to do that. That was pretty great. Um, and I know, I know I'm forgetting a ton of people now, and I'm going to feel terrible about it. Uh, I got to hang out with Aaron from Turn 1 Thoughtseize. He was one of our roommates. Uh, of course, Ian and Aaron came out with us as well. Unfortunately, Kate was not able to make it. That was a total bummer. Um, hopefully she is able to come out to the next one. Uh, let's see. I know I'm, I know I'm missing a ton of people, and I sincerely apologize. However, I did get to, uh, have everyone, or nearly everyone I met, uh, do this really cool... Oh, Marco, of course, our friend Marco was out there. Got to say hi to him. Um, oh, Ian. Ian from, uh, from, uh, Atlanta. Boxian, uh, Boxian Zero on Twitter. I uh, got to hang out with him for an afternoon. That was really awesome. Um, but I did get to make this really cool little uh, Vegas 2017 kind of community card, which I will post up on the uh, the Facebook page. Um, got a bunch of people to, to sign it for us, and uh, it's just it's just pretty sweet. Um, I guess I think that's all I can think of right now. I'm sure I missed a bunch of people, and for that I apologize. It was a really just great time meeting everyone out there at the GP. Um, I, I will try to never miss another Legacy GP. It's just it's just too much fun. There's too many awesome people out there playing too much great magic. And, uh, and yeah, just thank you so much for everyone who, who came up, said they, they like the podcast, support the cast, um, you know, enjoyed what we do. It means so much to hear that from people um, because, you know, this is a, a labor of love for Jerry and I, and we really enjoy it. Um, and it's just it, it means a lot to hear that people uh, enjoy what we, what we do. So thank you so much for everyone who had kind words to say about the podcast. And I think that's it. I'm, I think I took up enough of your time, Jerry. I apologize. <laughs> this is a good one, Pat. This is a good cast. <laughs> I think so, man. There was a lot to talk about in this one, man. A lot to talk about. There was. I hope, I hope the song that gets picked lives up to it. Oh, God, we have the song. We have the oh, song. Oh, man. I have a dice. What? I've been holding this dice for the last ten minutes while you've been going through your... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Um, all right, so let's pull up the songs. There are 37 songs on this list. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I know. If it's Ian's Adamawama Fever by Baby Metal, we're just skipping it. I'm sorry, but that, we're not playing that shit. <laughs> what, what, what gets picked? I, I, hope, I hope that Kate Gazaniga, Kate <laughs> Gazaniga gets picked... With Chandelier by Sia, I like that song, it's and she deserves. Suspicious if that ends up being what's rolled. <laughs> she deserves it. She deserves it because she was not able to make it. Oh man! All right, let's let the dice gods decide. Four, 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 four. Nineteen. Oh my! All right, reroll. I'm not counting that high. Oh, uh, do you want me to count? Do you want me to count? Because it's too high. <laughs> Eight, nine, <laughs> 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. 19. Ryan Gosin. You know what? This guy cheats. He has a lot of entries on here. It's supposed to be one per. <laughs> he wants a Dead Kennedy song. Kill, kill the poor. How appropriate for Legacy is his comment. <laughs> I think we should re-roll. He already has a bunch on here. We've already picked him <laughs> once, and he still has at least two more entries on this list. Has he had one before? Yes! Yeah, he got a... He got a uh, I think he's the one who did the... Uh, that dorky white guy, or the nerdy white guy, or whatever. Did it, we the whatever end up song. playing that one? No, we did. 
But he just has a lot of he has a lot of entries in here. I think we re-roll. We're gonna table dead Kennedys. We're gonna re-roll. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm gonna override this. I'm just gonna pick Kate's song because it's a no, good song. No, no, we that's all right. Fine, fine. We can pick Kate's song because I yeah. I, I, do, I do enjoy some Sia. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ryan, but you cheated the system. I I mean I I appreciate what you did. But I'm also cheating the system. I'm gonna go with Chandelier by Sia. Wait, he also has Prince Pussy Control. Yes, he. I told you, he has a lot of entries on here. <laughs> One entry per person. One yes. entry per person. Excellent. Right. Play us out with some sweet, sweet Sia. Nice. Nice. Party girls, don't get hurt. Can't feel anything. When will I learn? I push it down. Push it down. I'm the one for a good time call, phone's blowing up, bring up my doorbell, I feel the love, I feel the love. I'm just holding on for
tonight, all for tonight. 